Hey, I'm Michelle. And I'm Christy. And we're new moms in old bodies. If you're a new mom in your 30s or 40s, great news. You're trending. But the advice out there is so 2012. And we quickly learned that what works for those young 20-something moms and what works for us is completely different. I mean, think about how much you have changed in the last 15 or 20 years. Our minds, bodies, and spirits are so different. The advice that's focused on younger moms just doesn't quite fit what's happening with us. So we're here to talk about that. All of that. So if you're using eye cream with your diaper cream, then you're in the right place. Click subscribe to join the Old Moms Club podcast and come along this journey with us as we figure out what the heck we're doing as new moms in old bodies. Hi, mom friends. It's Christy with the Old Moms Club. By now you know us. We are new moms in old bodies. Uh, we're here today for episode two, just kind of getting in the swing of things. And so today we are going to talk about our birth and plans. Michelle is organized mom extraordinaire. Uh, she was Used my <laughs> <laughs> she was my go-to guru for birth plans. So um, we're going to start with her. But first, Hi, how was your week? Hey. How are you doing? You know, we, we made it through the week <laughs> Matt was traveling for work. Uh, so he was gone for the last four days. So I was, you know, partially single mom in it. Um, and I'm pretty sure my parents were worried for me because they stopped by almost every single day. <laughs> At least my dad would. <laughs> Yeah. So I texted Michelle early in the week and asked her how it was going. And she just sent a picture of herself back, like staring at the camera, you know? looking terrible. Like <laughs> that was, that was a low point. <laughs> you know, uh, we're going through a little bit of a sleep regression, I believe. And so her sleep is all over the map. And I typically get a lot of my work done on both this podcast. And then for my business, I get it done while she's sleeping next to me. Um, so Ava is a little high maintenance and she, she does, well, we do co-sleeping, which I typically love, but um, it's almost like through every single sleep cycle, she kind of like wakes up a bit. And so I have to like stick a boob in her mouth and nurse her back into her sleep, um, especially early on in her sleep cycle. And so it was with her not sleeping well or not going to bed until like 10 the past few nights. It is, it's been brutal on me because then I'm trying to stay awake and trying to get a little work done after she falls asleep. And it's, um, yeah, it takes a toll. And the thing that falls by the wayside is any of my own personal self-care. Let's be real. So yeah, that's how no, I totally it. understand that Eden <laughs> is usually in bed. We usually try to give her her bath, put her in bed by seven 30 and the amount of work I'll get done in between seven 30 and nine 30 is oh, yeah. huge. I, I feel like is the amount a normal person would get done all day long. Um, a hundred percent. I feel like since I've had Ava, now, as a business owner, I'm like, I feel like moms are the most productive people ever because you have yes. such a short amount of time to get 
everything done for your entire day. And so it's like, okay, I have two hours. I can get eight hours of work done in a two hour time. Frame, I swear. <laughs> yes. It's, it's and you have to learn how to manage everything in 20 minute increments yes. just because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Almost exactly like this podcast because Eden <laughs> is sleeping right now and we're like, oh shoot, we got to push record just in case she wakes <laughs> Let's up. Do this so she doesn't wake up. Yes. Yeah. Well, she'll have a week? lot to say about it if she does. Um, so my week was fun. We uh, went, Eden took, I took her to her first baseball game last night. Well, I say baseball, T-ball uh, is my little nephew. And it was so cute. They're four. I have a nephew that's four and a nephew that's six. And so they were picking their baseball team name, you know? And yeah. so they wanted to pick the scariest name. And that's what he kept telling me. Really scary, really scary. And so um, they are the thunderstorms, which I thought oh. was <laughs> so cute. <laughs> the cutest thing I've ever heard. So I did take Eden to her first thunderstorms game last night and um thankfully she's not a huge baseball fan so <laughs> we got that out of the way early and you know I mean it's a lot just to load her up and get her down there and then the crowd yeah. the first round of cheering she was really scared I mean she was looking at me holding on to me with that like ah why are all these people yelling but then the next time it happened I mean, she was just clapping. She would look at me and she would just clap. You know, no idea what's going on. She had fun. That's cute. That's cute. Well, should we get right into it? I feel like we have I so much to cover, cover today. But this is going to be very informative. So we have to yes. stay on it. <laughs> yes. But I feel like this episode is not only important for like, new moms who have never done this before, but I feel like so much changes so fast in the postpartum care space in, in, you know, just in the products that are out there. Um, so I've actually made a few notes of like the exact things that I like, and I even have a few of them right next to me right here. So if you're watching on YouTube or on Spotify, we have our video. Um, you'll be able to see it too. So yes. And there are some very interesting things I didn't even know to look for until Michelle sent them to me. So those yeah. will be fun to talk about later. Mm -hmm. So let's get started. Michelle, what is a birth plan and why do we need it? Oh gosh. Well, <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. I got, I spent way too much time on my, what I called my birth preferences I actually had a meeting with my doula, which if you listen to our last episode, you know that my doula ended up not making it to my, um, my labor and delivery anyway. Um, she ended up, I ended up having like a backup doula uh, come way, way later in the day, kind of at the last minute. Um, but if you do have a doula, I do recommend just having some kind of a birth preferences but the reason I didn't call it a birth plan was because I knew that there's so little that you can actually control when it comes to that experience. And so for me, it was like, okay, calling it a plan, if it deviated from the plan, it would cause me maybe a little more stress or whatnot. So I just called it birth preferences. And I put on there like what I would like if, 
I have like a normal vaginal birth, or if I have an unexpected C-section, um, I also put preferences for that. So I felt prepared, even though neither of those experiences are kind of what happened. We ended up using forceps, which was a whole other ball game. Um, <laughs> but yeah. at least this no. kind of gave my care providers like an idea of the type of experience that I wanted. Right. And I think making that distinction between plan and preference is important because with all of the birth plan videos and websites and everything that you watched and I watched and we talked about pretty much all of them. I mean, they have these very detailed plan, 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 plan. And then all of them said, oh, it didn't happen that way. It never happens that way. You know, it's like, so we spend all this time planning and it doesn't happen that way anyway. Like you said, nothing is under control, Um, especially when it comes to this. You know, I did not plan on going into labor at a food truck, like didn't pull out my birth plan. I'm like, oh, this is not supposed to happen. Exactly. Exactly. So So preferences is a really great way to do that. So tell us what they were. How did you decide what they were? Okay. So, and, and I will share this, um, on our website as well. I'll have the printout of what I actually brought into the hospital. I was so prepared. I had five copies ready to go and I was handing them out everywhere. I'm not even kidding. you. And I even made my birth preferences plan on Canva. So it was really pretty also like it was ready. So I had my name, Matt's name, the baby's name, my OBGYN, um, and my doula's name. And neither of those people were there. My OBGYN wasn't there. Um, and my doula was not there either. Um, and then at the top I had like a note section. So just like quick things that they could note if they were just given this one page and I did make it one page, um, just so they could just look at it. And it was almost like bullet points. So it wasn't these overwhelming paragraphs of information. I did see some of those online and I was like, no one is going to take the time to read that. Like, we got to remember this is quick, 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 you know? So for mine, um, I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes. And so I listed that on, um, on my birth plan. And then I also am allergic to penicillin. So I had that. And then I also wrote that I had a vaginal birth that was planned. Um, so those were kind of the top three things that I noted at the top and just a quick thing for gestational diabetes. It's so weird. There's like this, like, um, negative association that people have with it. It's very strange. I actually didn't feel any kind of way about it when they told me that I was diagnosed with it. Um, But a lot of people think that it's like, if you eat poorly, if you're overweight, if you're, you know, not taking care of your health, um, they think that it's like a negative connection to your health and how you've been doing so far in your pregnancy. And it's actually not that at all. Um, And maybe I felt a little more comfortable with it because my dad is also diabetic and he has type one diabetes, which is um, very often called juvenile diabetes because it is like more of a genetic thing. 
um, versus a lifestyle thing. And that's how gestational diabetes is. It's just how your body is processing sugar while you're pregnant. Um, and I've always had, and that's just what it's called. It's not a bad thing. It's just the way it's happening. Yes. Yes. So just for any moms that end up getting diagnosed with gestational diabetes, um, it really doesn't have to be like this scary negative thing. And there really, there should not be any guilt around it because one pregnant, I was eating incredibly clean, did all non-toxic products and everything. Um, so it has nothing to do with your lifestyle. It has everything to do with just how your body is processing sugar in that one particular pregnancy. Um, it doesn't even mean that your future pregnancies are going to have the same result. So just a little side note. Um, The next section of my birth preferences, I wrote my birth experience and, um, and I wrote epidural dimmed lighting and that I prefer to tear versus having an episiotomy. Um, And the reason that I wrote that is because I heard that uh, if you tear naturally, then it tends to be a much easier healing process. So that's why I listed that. Um, And then I don't know if anyone else remembers Kourtney Kardashian when she gave birth to her first baby, (laughs) but she pulled her baby out, like literally pulled her baby out of her vagina. And I was like, (laughs) I legit thought that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. And so I wrote <laughs> that I'm <laughs> apparently it has a name now. It's called Catching Your Baby. And <gasps> I really wanted to catch my baby. Like that was really the thing that I was like, I really want to do that. Uh, every screw everything else on my list. I really wanted to pull the baby out. Um, <laughs> It did not happen that way because they had to use forceps. So the doctor was literally pulling my baby out. They were pulling the baby out. Um, But I did have that. And apparently if you write it on yours, just write that you want to catch your baby. I guess that's what they call it. I wrote, I want to pull my baby out. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's a lot of pressure, right? I mean, you're already having to have the baby, but then like be on point. Catching, it seems like a very important thing you know like right if you're catching something you could drop it like don't do that and I guess I never really put a lot of thought into like how slippery and goopy they would be but I don't know (laughs) I still like I still kind of am like dang that would have been awesome (laughs) but anyway it didn't happen um and then I also wrote skin to skin immediately which um when I did share this with my OBGYN before um, at one of my last visits, she told me, she said, that's really, you pretty much don't even need to put that on your birth preferences anymore, because it's just like a natural thing that they do. Um, they want to encourage what they call the golden hour, which is like that hour, the first hour after birth, where they put the baby on your chest and they try and do like skin to skin if possible. And you're able to just sit there and connect. And it really helps like with your milk production and endorphins and the healing and all of that. Um, so she said, I didn't need to put it on there, but I really, I put it on there anyway, cause 
I was just excited about it, honestly. <laughs> you know, I think you're right, though. I think there's a lot of research that supports it, and I don't think they really give you a choice anymore. So yeah. I think it is weird, though, because how many people asked you that? I had a ton of people ask me that. Did you do really? skin on skin? Are you going to do skin on skin? They did. did. Skin on skin? Are you going to do skin on skin? They did. Oh, that's I strange. I didn't have a single person ask me. <laughs> I guess it's like the shoe thing. Um, yes. <laughs> oh. If you don't know, Michelle was shoe shamed this yes. week. Um, I have been before, but it's usually small children. We were in the uh, doctor's office for Eden's six month checkup. And it was a very little two or three, three, I guess three. He was talking three year old. Um, he came up and he's like, lady, your baby ain't got no shoes on. <laughs> and then Michelle had the experience in the grocery store. Right? Yes. This, uh, so I ran into the grocery store with Ava and I didn't have shoes on her because she's 11 months old. She's just going to kick them off. Who cares? She's not <laughs> at a walking age at this point. You know, I can't just put her down on the ground and have her walk with me. So her feet touch, never touch the ground anyway. And this employee came up to me and was like, oh, a little baby with no shoes on. Okay. <gasps> I was like, um, okay, don't shoe shame me, lady. <laughs> Yeah, but I did. I had people ask about skin on skin. I know. But you know, maybe it was it's an older generation thing where maybe it wasn't an option then. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, okay, so for the next section, I wrote if a C section is necessary, um, I wanted to, of course, if possible, stay conscious. I wanted the surgery explained to me as it happens. Um, just cause for me personally, I feel like I need to know like all the information about what's going on and that would kind of ease any anxiety that I feel like I might have going into that experience. Um, you can also ask them to lower the screen. So oftentimes I'll have like a sheet or screen up, but when the baby is coming out, you can ask them to lower it so you can see the baby. Um, I thought that would have been, you know, just another version of catching my baby, you know, <laughs> right. And then I wanted to be hands-free, um, if possible. So I could hold and touch the baby as soon as she came out. And then on the last section I had after birth, I prefer, and for this, I wrote delayed cord cutting, um, which I honestly, I don't think they did. Um, you know, they say there's a lot of benefits, like there's still blood that's going to the baby through the umbilical cord. So they're still getting a lot of like the nutrients in the blood, um, through the cord, even after they're delivered. And so you're supposed to, I shouldn't say supposed to, but there's, you know, I don't know, there's benefits that I've heard of, of waiting until you see that um, there's no more blood left in the umbilical cord. So it almost looks like white. Um, and I really wanted them to wait for that. And I wanted Matt to be able to cut the cord, but that, you know, I think we had such, yeah, we had, I guess I would consider it a traumatic birth. And so they ended up cutting the cord pretty quickly and, um, they put her on my chest, but then they took her pretty, pretty quickly just to check her out and make sure that she was okay from the forceps delivery. And then they gave her back to me. So, um, so, you know, some of those things you really can't control. Um, 
I also wanted to deliver the, the placenta spontaneously. So your body naturally continues to have contractions after you have your baby vaginally. So I really was like, then what's the purpose of pulling out the placenta? You know, cause you have to, after you deliver your baby, you have to deliver the placenta as well. And let me tell you, I had them bring it over to look at it so I could look at it. No, you didn't. I did. I took a picture of it. <laughs> no, you didn't. I did. I did. It, you know what? It is fascinating. It is the only human organ that you grow and use for a very short amount of time. And then your body just gets rid of it. It's crazy. It's so cool. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is cool, but I don't want a picture of it. Yeah. Oh, wow. But now it's, I wonder, I like, I want to know what it looks like. <laughs> I'll totally, I'll text it to you. <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of looks like. Like a like, liver. It looks kind of like a liver, like the color of it and everything. And, um, but it looks like kind of like what I would envision a deflated stomach, internal, you know, organ stomach would look like, I don't know. It's kind of big, actually. It was surprising, but you know, (laughs) yeah, I did it. Um, also I, and so I did not deliver the spontaneous or the placenta spontaneously. I'm pretty sure they pulled it out. Um, honestly, at that point you have the baby on your chest and you're not even thinking about it. Like maybe I did deliver it spontaneously. I genuinely have no idea because I was just not focused on that at all anymore. Like when you have the baby on your chest, they're doing stitches, they're doing all kinds of things and you don't even notice. Right. So by the way, like that is not even something to even worry about at all. Yes. At that point, you are not worried about birth plans at all. No. Mm -mm. Um, and then the very last part, I had a section for the baby. Um, so I requested that no medical exams were given until after bonding. Um, of course they had to check her out and everything. Um, uh, they had to check her out because of the forceps and all that, but then they gave her right back to me and didn't do any of the weight and all that until a little bit later. Um, I requested no hepatitis B vaccine. Um, and the reason that I did that is because that's just kind of a general standard thing that they give to every baby when they're born. I think it's within 12 hours of their birth, but the purpose of it is, it's uh, honestly, you might have to Google it because I'm going to butcher the, the way <laughs> or the reasoning, but it's something about like preventing gonorrhea and all of these other like sexually transmitted diseases. But if you are only with one partner and, and you have been going to your regular appointments in your third trimester, right before you give birth, I think it's around like week 37, they do another round of STD testing. It's just kind of standard. And so if you're not with any other partners and you, um, and you don't have any of the STDs, then you don't need that. Your baby doesn't need that hepatitis B vaccine. Um, so I opted not to do that. And then I also wrote, I desire to breastfeed the baby on demand. Um, and then with a lactation consultant, if one was available, 
just because I'd never done it before. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if it would go well, if it would go terribly, if I would know what I was doing. I mean, you really don't know what you're doing. (laughs) So you're just kind of winging it. Um, And I did not have a lactation consultant when they first gave her to me. Um, but there was a nurse there. And so, you know, Ava was able to latch on and honestly, it was like the coolest thing. Um, and the only other thing on there is I said, ask me before giving a vitamin K shot. Um, I did end up giving her the vitamin K shot only because she did have a little bit of a traumatic birth. Um, and so, you know, and honestly, at this point, I even forget what the vitamin K shot is for. It's something with like their blood, blood clotting or something. I probably should have looked that up before we did this podcast, but I did not. So y'all look that up and talk to your, your uh, pediatrician that you have planned or your OBGYN, um, before making a choice on that. Yeah, that's great. So my, um, birth plan or preferences were completely well, I don't I want to say, I don't want to say completely different because they were actually exactly the same because Michelle had sent me a copy of her beautiful Canva printout of her preferences. And then here I was so early standing in line at a food truck. I didn't really have time to get my plan or, or do anything with it. But one thing that I was very excited about or happy and relieved is when Michelle and I had had those conversations about those vaccines and about those shots, because you don't realize that when you have your baby, they will immediately, you do hold her. It's the golden hour. You're, you know, snugging and all that good stuff. But as soon as they take her and wash her, there are eye drops, there are shots, there are blood tests. There is a ton of stuff that no one had ever told me to prepare for. I didn't know they did it. No one asked about doing it. I'd never heard anybody talk about doing it. So Michelle Mm -hmm. had done all of this research and we kind of knew going into it, you know, like what is happening now or what does this mean? And they just, they're so casual about it, you know? Um, Cause one of the vaccines was in the form of eye drops, I think, wasn't it? Oh, really? I well, think I think so. it, it can be different at different hospitals, I think. So uh, that actually brings up a good point about the eye drops um, or like the gunk that they put on the eyes. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you see that in pictures and stuff of a new baby. They'll have like all this goop on their eyes. That's actually an antibiotic. So yes. um, and I did not want and they asked me um, if they should put that on Ava. And, um, and honestly, I I feel like I was in such a fog at that moment, but I think I said yes, but only because they had used tools to take her out. Um, but if they had not used tools, there's no reason for them to put antibiotics on her eyes, unless I have active STDs. Um, and you know, so it's, there's a lot of things that you don't even think about that, frankly, they just kind of do automatically in a hospital unless otherwise told not to. Yes. And so I will say that about the birth plan and having been prepared, at least mentally thinking, these are the things I need to, to know your birth plan, if you use it or not, 
your birth plan, if it goes out the window or not, it is really your chance to advocate for yourself. Um, they will respect what you want to do, but they're so busy and they're in their routine. They're not going to ask you. Um, I mean, there are some times where she said, okay, we're going to do this. Is that okay? Just assuming I was going to say, yes, that's fine but you don't have to, you really, really don't. You need to research what they're going to do to the baby and what your preferences are. I mean, you're the mom now and you get to make those decisions. And that birth plan is really your place to advocate for yourself and to know those things. When they ask you, be prepared and know what you really want. Yeah. And I personally did not get any pushback on um, saying no to anything. So they're I feel like they were very respectful. And if I said, no, I don't want a certain thing, they, um, they didn't push it. They didn't try and convince me. So, you know, and honestly, the minute that you see your little baby, I felt so like empowered and protective over her that even if they had pushback, I would have had no problem. (laughs) Being Like you need to get somebody else in here because you know, I mean, you just will do anything to protect that tiny little being. <laughs> yeah. Well, and for the sake of time, I think we just move on to what happens yeah. now. Um, so you've had the baby, we've gone through the birth plan. Um, also in advocating your, for yourself and getting pushback or no pushback, we were actually in the hospital and they had kept Eden underneath the blue Billy Rubin lights. And until a pediatrician could come check her out. And then the pediatrician said, you know, like she's fine. I could send her home or you could stay another day if you wanted to. And nobody ever wants to stay another day at the hospital, but just internally, I guess it's that mother's instinct. I said, we want to stay another day. Mm -hmm. And we ended up staying another day. And then another pediatrician came and checked her out. And it was really good that we did that because we were feeding her wrong. She ended up having to stay under the lights for four days. Uh, I mean, there were a lot of her numbers and things that just wouldn't have been right if we had gone home. Um, So if you have that opportunity, which I know when I gave birth and Michelle gave birth, it was also during COVID. And we're talking about if you went in, you had a good birth, they were trying to get you out of there as fast as they could. I said, no, I want to stay another day but we ended up staying four more days um, and and not by choice. So that does, I think about that a lot. Like what would have happened if I said, yeah, I want to go home. Yeah. You know, that right there brings us right to our next episode, which is going to be all about our hospital stays and what you need to pack in your hospital bag. Cause I know we spent a lot of time prepping for that. So we're going to let you know what we used and what we didn't use. That's our cue to go. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Old Moms Club Podcast and join our Old Moms Club Podcast page on Facebook.